Let's hit it. What's up, Saberland? Welcome to another segment of the Talking Tarot, a Buffalo hockey podcast. For those new listening, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podverse.fm. Andy, you said a couple episodes ago you wanted me to get that in there in the beginning, so there yep. it is. Uh, yep, easier for people to hear at the beginning than to wait, for wait what, an hour plus to the end yeah. when we say it. Make it a little easier. So, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Andrew and Ryan are joining me today. Since the last time we met, the Sabres faced the Capitals, Penguins, Devils, and Rangers for a little bit of a Metropolitan run. Uh, Sabres in that span finished with a 2-1-1 record, which is, I guess you could say, better than how most eh, the season started. But uh, as fans and analysts of the Sabres, I Guess we could say we're still a little disappointed. Yeah, when you lay a, a pretty fat egg in the middle of all that, yeah, it's it's definitely frustrating. Washington was a coulda, shoulda, woulda. Not that Washington wasn't even a coulda, shoulda, woulda. Washington, the Sabres were up 2 nothing, looking pretty good. What? Going into the third? Halfway through the second? I can't remember when Benson scored. It was a beauty of a goal, though. Between oh, the legs. I mean, we all thought, I don't want to say we we all thought, but pretty much thought that game was, you know, in the bag. Washington dug deep, came back, tied it, forced overtime, and, well, yeah, the rest was history there. Pittsburgh, that one was a little, once again, Sabres were slow and slow. Not, gears weren't, uh... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, gears turning. weren't, yeah, turning, meshing, clock, cl- clogging in, however you want to say it. And all of a sudden in the third period, uh, Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck turned things around for them, and they managed to squeak out the dub, which was very nice. New that Jersey, was being kind. That was being very kind. I missed most of that game. I will not lie. I missed most of that game, but the last five minutes, I was. Being a very happy, excited, nervous Sabres fan because I loved watching Chris Letang get all butthurt and sour and become a goon and cry like a little baby. So, New Jersey, I'm not even going to talk about that. The whole entire team, all of them, coaches, players, goaltenders, I don't care, everybody, general manager, owner, Y'all didn't show up that day. I'm not even talking about it. I'm leaving it there. Remember but... how you said the the cogs weren't meshing? Yeah, there were no cogs. There were no, no cogs no. in that game. They, there, yeah. It, that game was like um, the Tin Man from uh, The Wizard of Oz. Just an empty shell with no heart in it. There was nothing in that game. And then, the, well, we were all upset. Typical Buffalo fans. We're thinking the season's done. It's in shambles. What the hell's going on? There's a million and one questions about the organization. And then the Sabres come out, and I'm going to say it. I think it was their best game all season. And they they stuffed the New York Rangers, who were the barely, but the best team in the East next to Boston. Uh, I 
I'm going to say I think that was probably their only full 60-minute game. The, the Toronto game was a full 60-minute game. game. Yeah. I, I mean, 5-1, to one, though. That was the 5-1. to one. I'm talking about even, like, especially on the defensive level. Like, everything we've been harping on them about defensively, I felt like they actually did it. Yeah, that game, everything was clicking on that game. That was that was the game that hopefully should set the tone for the rest of the season and they can continue with it. But that goes back to what we've kind of been saying with past podcasts is that, oh, this was a pretty good game. Hopefully we can build on it. Yeah. But I don't know. That was, even knowing that was like uh, the Toronto game was another full 60-minute game that they've played all season. I think this one was just very well executed, top to bottom, full 60-minute. There was very, very little slack from the team. They stuck with everything the whole way through that game. And it was, that is how you should play every game. I think a lot of that came from UPL. I think that him making those saves made the team want to play better in front of him. Oh, yeah. That too. Don't get me wrong. Shesterkin, he, he yeah, made some just... good saves himself. I got nervous, honestly, in the first few minutes of that game. I was like, there's no way the Sabres are winning. Shesterkin looks like he's on his game, and then all of a sudden, they just poured it on. Yeah, yeah, same. I, like, just watching that game was like, woo, woo. Like, uh, uh, everything. And it just kind of just started opening up for us, and we just kept going with it. It's like, where is this coming from? Like, what the hell? Like, that was, it was such a good game. Shesterkin played very well at the other end. Uh, the entire game, I thought. I just think the Rangers in front of them just kind of either they just slept on Buffalo because since we've been such a uh, a pretty bad, a decently bad team throughout the year, they kind of slept on us. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what it was, but we pulled. We went through. We pulled out a victory, a nice solid five to one statement victory, and I'll take it. Yeah, I, like like I said, I think that was their best sixty minute game. You could say uh, luck, but you could say a little bit of his luck, maybe, sure. Rangers, yeah, slept on him, probably, a little bit. But same thing, Shesterkin, he, he showed up. It was, I was watching the first, before we made it 2 nothing. even when it was one nothing Buffalo, I'm like, this is a goalie battle. Like, this is some of the old Miller days where it's just straight up a dogfight between the goalies. And what, the Rangers had... They had one taken away because it was a glove pass. They blatantly missed, hit the side of the net, and the whole arena thought they scored. I thought they scored, too. That was in a, such a weird spot with the camera angle. I was like, did that go in? Like, I, I was so like, uncertain about it. it. Like, yeah. Yeah, after, once you saw the replay, it was, it was obvious that hit the side of the net. But not like, even a shot on goal. Yeah. But <laughs> it's... And... I know I mentioned it in the uh, group chat, and, and I know Andy, you were saying about it too. Was it between the the probably the last ten minutes of that third period for me? That's how I want them to play defense. Every time the Rangers finally got their stick on the puck, they were already exhausted, and they had to just dump it into Buffalo zone and go make the line change, and then we're taking the puck back into their zone. That is how I wish we played Washington. I understand you keep telling me, you know, when you're you're down two nuts and three nuts and you're a good team like Washington or Pittsburgh and you 
are pushing to find a way to win. You know, they bring the heat, and, you know, you got to handle that. But that Rangers game, it literally, we didn't stand at the front door and let them come to us. We closed the door, went to their door, knocked on the door, and said, knock, knock, rent's due, pay up. That's how I see it, and that's how I want them defensively to play. I don't know, that's the best way I can describe it. All of that wasn't generated from the defense, though. It was a lot of us being able to maintain possession and press them deep. It was a lot on our forecheck. Which, yeah. if, that's, if that works, I mean... It works when the team decides that's what they want to do. It all comes down to what the team wants to do and how the teams are playing. If a... If one team is starting to get very aggressive and they're having a little more control over it, you kind of have to play backseat and let them come to you. Because if if they're if they're full head of steam coming at you downhill and you try and and go for the poke check or try and cheat up and like and kind of get close to that guy, try and close the distance, and you mess up, you I man rush. You're just giving them more of an open ice. You're giving them more of a chance to score. You're giving them more more of an easy access to enter the zone. If you back up, you now make them have to come through all five of you to get to the goalie. And and that's like what I, what I was which, trying to say. Which for me, though, I feel like for Buffalo, you back up. It just You're opening the door. And it just turns yeah. into what we're used to seeing. Five guys treating it like it's a penalty kill. Yeah, yes and no. That's, but that's to me. It, it's it's kind of a it's kind of the way you got to play it with the way the sabers are defensively in that it's kind of a double edged sword. You either play that and force them to go through all five of you, or you just you're the sabers and you kind of have a weak defensive style or whatever, and, and that and they still walk through you anyway. But I would rather have five. I'd I'd rather have the other team go through five guys than three or four guys. Yeah, it's it's just more to go through. It's it's more it's more obstacles to get around. It just makes it a little bit more harder on them, even if we're not playing sound defensively. It's just more bodies in the way. So my next question is, how much of the 11-7 format affected that? I was, I have stats. I fucking have a a decent uh, list next to me here. Because I know we were talking about it before the game, and I'm still trying to understand it on an educational basis and i know ryan you answered that in the group chat but then watching this game and i know a lot of people the fans hate the 11-7 rotation um i guess you could say as fans we're used to the typical 12-6 but they ran 11-7 against the rangers and i mean i guess like what you guys said it just fell in our lap and you want to start it ryan and i'll finish with all the stats and everything i have and they kind of explaining the eleven to seven. You just want me to talk about the philosophy behind it, or do you want me to yes. talk about like okay, like, what, like, like what's a, ex- pretty much how I asked it, like you know what's the purpose of it? How? Why? Teacher, teacher Ryan, Mister Ryan, Coach can you, Ryan, can, can you teach our child what the eleven seven is and how it works and implement for the children game? listening? Yes. So <laughs> I, what I'll do is I'll I'll focus in on the Rangers game specifically. Because that game to me felt like it wasn't one for the first time all season, that it wasn't dictated by the players we had and the ability to field a competitive hockey team, considering injuries. 
So the Rangers, I think the 11 and 7 was a good decision in that game, specifically because the Rangers tend to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more offensive. And at the end of the day, what it's going to do is it's going to keep your your non-anchored defenseman, in this case, Owen Power and Darlene, a little bit more fresh, a little bit more able to weather the storm in terms of an offensive onslaught from the Rangers. Um, ultimately, it ended up not being an issue in that game, specifically because we were able to maintain the forecheck and our offense seemed to want to show up that day and maintain possession in the zone, which ended up tiring out the Rangers a little bit more. But I think where the 11-7 and seven hurt us a little bit was in the offensive specific situations, uh, face-off percentage, things where it might benefit from having a little bit more fresh guys, stronger sticks on the ice, especially in the, in the face-off, zone, face-off circle. Um, but what it's going to do is it's going to allow you on the back end against a good offensive team to be a little bit more fresh, a little bit more ready for that third period onslaught when you expect it to be a tight game and you want to make sure that you're not giving up too many too many expected goal situations. That makes sense. It does. On a simplistic level. Uh, that, I, uh, that's an ultra-simplified version of it, like for anybody that has no knowledge. I mean, to get, a li- to get a little bit even further into it, it gives you more opportunities to generate offense from the back end because you can be a little bit more selective about who you put on the ice when. It gives you more opportunities, more options. So if you want to move somebody like Yoki Haru, who's a little bit more of an offensive puck-moving defenseman, and play him with Darlene, or if you want to stuff out somebody a little bit more stay-at-home like Eric Johnson, Ryan Johnson, uh, Connor Clifton, it gives you the options to basically on a deeper level it it gives you the options on the back end to it gives you more options on your in your defensive zone or on your defensive line to mix and match and play a specific style depending on the situation that's what I was just about to say the situation depending on the situation will dictate who you can mix and match with and having that extra d can make all the difference, especially against a, a, an offensive, a strong offensive firepower team. And especially so, with, and especially with a defense core, like we've got with Yogi Haru, who's a puck mover power Darlene, and to a little bit less of an extent, Johnson, Ryan Johnson, you've got four or sorry, Samuelson, not Johnson, Samuelson. So you got those four whom were puck moving less stay at home defensemen. And then you've got, if you run three, it gives you the option to have, like, you can mix and match and you can throw some more defensive. Like, if you're winning, you can play a little bit more of a defensive style by throwing Eric Johnson, Ryan Johnson, Connor Clifton in instead of having just to roll puck-moving defensemen with six. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, the I, 11 I, and... Yeah, the eleven seven's been around for a bit. Like, like I, I don't remember who it was last year, but I remember hearing something last year, like right near the end of the season, within the, like the last ten games, um, that there was a team, and I don't know if they went into the playoffs with it, but they were running a strong eleven seven almost very consistently leading into the playoffs. So they literally said, "This is what we're going to do to close out the year," and yeah, pretty much it. It and also too, it's a way of 
just resting your guys a little more. You can now balance your defensive core a lot more. You can space out your time defensively too, more that way. And you can keep them a little bit fresher, a little longer, especially going into a playoffs. And especially when you consider you're running typically four offensive lines and three lines of defense, your defensemen are typically going to be the higher average expected ice time yeah over the course of a game and the more of those you have the fresher you can keep them so for that rangers game specifically owen power had 25 shifts for 2501 time on ice next up is matias samuelson who had 26 shifts for 2155 and then rasmus dalene 22 for 1959 and then Henry Yoki, how are you? 19 shifts for 18-13. Exactly. So you've got one outlier and one anomaly there, which is surprising that it's power. But everybody else is kind of hovering right around the 20-minute mark, which is bringing them a little bit further down into what you're seeing from your forwards. Yeah, it's better than having one guy run the show at with a 12-6, and six, and you have like uh, Power or Darlene run the show and rack up 28 29 minutes a night exactly yeah so well that pittsburgh game and uh the devils alex tuck had 25 minutes back to back i don't know what the hell happened there but then again uh he's acting like a top line forward no matter who we're pairing up with right now what you see there is that's they're trying to get injuries pretty much yeah we uh in the pittsburgh game in the Pittsburgh game, we lost Zemgis pretty early on. So pretty much we fell to almost an 11-7 and seven in the Pittsburgh game. Actually, did we? 11-6. Yes, yes, we did. So it was a 10-7. Yeah, so you're going to be forced to run somebody very heavily. And then I'm not. Yeah, the New Jersey game was not uh, 11 I lied, seven, not New Jersey. It was uh, Washington. For Washington? I believe Washington was 11-7 too. Indeed. So... The eleven and seven for the year. Do you know how many times we've run it so far this year? No, but I'm going to ask you to please keep tabs with that as the season progresses. I I might. Uh the Sabres <laughs> with the Rangers game, that became the fifth game of the year. They ran an eleven and seven. Do you want to know the record? Of course you want to know the record. Of course we do. They are three one and one. Why was I going to have a feeling that we're better, even though I w- I was going to say you you were probably thinking we were worse with how much you you hate the eleven and seven I, I didn't understand gonna, it. I was going to guess but, like three and two, like the way you were leading on when we were like talking about it the other night. I was like, I'm going to get this weird feeling that like everybody's hating on it, but deep down it's actually working. It's it's a system that can work, providing it's impl- implemented correctly and everything else. I the so, five games that we we ran the eleven and seven. Uh, I we was went, just going to ask that. We we started it with Toronto, the Toronto game at the beginning of the month, uh, the six four win. Uh, then we did the uh, it was eleven and seven during the uh, atrocious Pittsburgh game where we lost four nothing, and then we did it against Chicago, then then Washington, then Pittsburgh, then New Jersey. I think the Chicago one though that was the game that we lost Greenway. Uh, during like uh, morning warmups. So I think that game, it was more of uh, we just lost a guy. We're on the road. We need somebody. We already have uh, an extra defenseman. Just run the 11 and seven without having to worry about trying to call somebody from Rochester and ship them across the country. Wait, did you say we did it with the devil's game too? 
No, we did not. No? Okay. We did not. So it's Toronto, Pitt, Chicago, Washington, Rangers. Chicago, Washington, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh twice. Both times we faced Pittsburgh. Both times. So that's actually six games then. Nope. Toronto, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Chicago, Washington, Pittsburgh, Rangers. That's six. That's six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six? This is basic counting math. (laughs) So does that... I'm trying to think. That's... Three, two, and one. We I'm beat... actually writing this down. So. I, I, I wrote, I wrote it all down. I have all the games. We beat Toronto, one. so that's one. So no, we're four, one, and one. Four, one. I'm sorry, I miscounted on that. You had it three, one, and one before the Rangers game. Four, one, and one. Yep. Yeah, that, that's probably what it was because I was doing it like during the Rangers game, like trying to look look into it. So that's yeah, that's I where I messed up. That. You said it was five games. We were three, one, and one. Yeah, I remember that. So it's four, one, and one. I guessed like five games. I felt like that's what it was. And then as I was doing, I think I counted five and then inclu- I counted five. And then I'm like, all right, I, I'm not in count. I'm not including the Rangers game until the game is over. So, and that's probably where I messed up. And I just left it at five as three, one and one. So we are four, one and one with the 11 and seven run, which is a winning percentage of a system. It so, is. And that means you- we are six, nine and one when we're not doing it. But, but it's something where, like Ryan also said, it, it doesn't allow you to have as much offensive side to it because you you're missing an offensive player, so you're you're not going to be able to get that as much. So it's it's a more of a selective style to do for certain games and certain teams. So, but okay, now now we're going into hypothet hypotheticals. I swear we need a separate segment just called hypotheticals. But anyways, this is more geared towards the games. So, Don Granado says at the beginning of the season they're changing up their defensive gameplay. Obviously, it didn't seem like we were seeing anything, or obviously it wasn't working. Is it a possibility he's switching to 11 and 7 no. as a way of simplifying no. it? No, he's already no. said he no. wants to run 12 and 6. So, he's running 11 and 7 because of the injuries. Yep. More than likely, yeah. And that's where I like. I think with the Chicago game, I think that we were kind of just kind of handcuffed to that game being an eleven and seven because we're in Chicago, we're on the road, and everything else. It's just easier to kind of take your healthy scratch, push him in, and just of course it's an extra defenseman, so you're at eleven and seven. It is what it is. But and then, which one did Gergerson? Gergerson got hurt for in pittsburgh and i i honestly still have yet to hear anything about that but he got injured and he is on back supposedly from what i saw on twitter today that was a personal matter not an injury but yeah so i don't want to be that guy but if it's working you can run it a little probably a little bit more but i i would still be a little be a little more selective on when you're doing it I think I think you trot it out against offensive teams. You can run a twelve and six base, and then it's kind of like a certain situation. You run eleven and seven, and that's where you guys with the knowledge comes in. Like I'm sorry, you say four one and one. I'm like shit. Let it ride. Let it yep. ride. Do it. Do it. Sabers are doing better. Do I it think now with Levi down in the AHL and making that move. I think it opens you up to it opens up that roster spot so you can have another forward up. So Which the Sabers did recall yeah. Brandon Biro, not to cut you off. <clears throat> no, they they exactly. called, yeah, they called Byro in, but they also sent Kulik back. 
Oh, they did. Okay, I did not see. They that. did. Okay. Once I saw that, I'm like, that gives us an odd number unless somebody was coming back. And then I was like, I started scrolling. I was went to the Sabers Twitter and like an hour ago they said Byro's coming in, and then like 15 minutes ago Kulik went back. I so. believe Greenway's going to be back, but I well, that I, leaves us as that leaves us the three scratches being two forwards, one defenseman. As of which I I realistically that's the way I saw Biro being called up as a he's probably going to be a scratch maybe jump into one of those two games on the yeah. road trip and he's he's going to be uh in case somebody else goes down obviously not during the game but if somebody I, goes down in St. Louis we got somebody in Carolina I think they work I think they work him in I mean you're talking about a guy who's got a hundred percent shooting percentage right now he's <laughs> he's got a hot hand I mean. I think they work him into one of the games. I don't think he's more of like a break glass, but I'd like them to. I, I ultimately, I'd like them to make a decision on Ryan Johnson. We they make a decision, decision on Levi, Levi. They need to make a decision on Johnson now. Yeah, Johnson's playing too good, but he's the one with a two-way contract, so we can put him back down without having too much of an issue. Uh, Do you, uh, yeah, I that, know what I want. I know what I want, but I don't want to. Uh, looking at it like this. I would say you can, the easy option, I, I just pulled up uh, the Rangers, like, game time lineup and everything, kind of looking at the healthy scratches. I, we have Bryson as an extra defenseman that's in a healthy scratch. It, I, it just as the easy option, I would wave Bryson, and then you can push uh, Clifton, Ryan Johnson, Yoki Haru. You can kind of f- filter those guys back and forth through the scratch as a healthy Bryce, scratch. Bryson I don't want to see Yoki Haru as a, I don't want to see Yoki Haru as a, Healthy scratch. Healthy scratch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm but I like that. like like I was saying, just just as the easy option, just kind of looking at at the uh at the list right now as like a full lineup list for a game night, as an as a simple option, you slot you you wave Bryson, he goes to the UFA, and then now that frees up the slot for you to kind of move anybody on our defensive list being Dallian, it's, Sammy, Powered, uh RJ, Bryson EJ, Bryson, Clifton, Bryson or doesn't go UFA. Bryson goes to AHL. Wait, so Bryson is a one way contract? Yeah, if he clears, he's got to clear waivers to go down. Yeah, if you have so to clear waivers to go down, but yeah. I'm gonna, uh, all right, I don't want to dig too deep in this, but this is my thought, and I can't believe I'm saying this after how much I trashed-talked him last season. If you can't dump Connor Clifton, wave him, and I'm okay with running Johnson and Bryson. I'm sorry, I don't think. Clifton's really bringing much to the table. I I know we bring brought him in as muscle. He's throwing his body around, but it's it's yeah, not. Extra depth. I'm I'm sorry, and also it's it's partially because of of you know Johnson. From what I've heard, I haven't actually dug into it, but a handful of people are saying it. How do I word it? Ryan Johnson has not given up a goal. Clearly, he's not. He, he's on the ice. When he's on the ice, he has not surrendered a goal. He has not gone minus. At least from what I'm hearing. That's literally a sign that somebody's being making a difference on the ice. One way or another. You can't lose that. That's like one of those silent stats that you just... Yeah, he's not racking up points. He's not... You know, he's not putting in the goals. He's not putting in the assists. But 
he's also, we're not giving up anything when he's out there. I mean, we know eventually it's going to happen. But to me, that's a more important stat than how many hits you're throwing or how many goals you put, you know, you're, you put in. Like, defensively, I think that's what, from an individual, that's what we need. I mean, that's just my thoughts. I, I, I don't I think... Would like this. Right, keeping Ryan Johnson the way he's been playing since he's come up has been stellar, absolutely stellar. The what he's been doing, if that's true, that that's even better. But he's not uh, hurting the team. I I don't want to harp on the kid, but Owen Power has been more detrimental to this team in the month of November. He's got a minus eight. Yeah, he's had uh, the Rangers game. He was a plus two. He's got I think two assists. So I mean I I know it Ryan you said it he's gonna go through some slumps but you Different know piles of defensemen I know but I'm just saying like Ryan Johnson he he's he's not eating up a lot of minutes at least I don't think he is he had one game he actually had a decent amount of minutes um but I mean New Jersey he had 25 minutes why does Ryan Johnson have 20 no he does does he. How the hell did he have 25 minutes in the New Jersey game? One goal against in 11 games. Ryan Johnson. One goal against? Okay, so One goal against. he was out there for... Okay. Even still, that's... Oh, and that had to have been the Devils game. I'm guessing. I, I'm just on hockey reference i couldn't tell you what game it is it just says one i'm, I'm gonna guess it's the devils because krebs was the only one with a plus minus of zero everybody else was negative so yeah yep that's what i'm looking at right now so, i just clicked on him he's minus one for that new jersey game and 25 minutes so outside that and even then the, the new jersey game we lose seven to two yeah he's out there for one of them one. yeah he's out, like you can't get rid of that you can't get rid of that I bite the bullet on the $3 million. I'm okay with getting rid of Connor Clifton and keep it Johnson. At, at that point, it's, it's either, yeah, like I said, simple option. You wave, you wave Bryson and put him in Rochester and you, and you make, you clear up more room up here to, defensively instead of running seven, eight defensemen total. I can tell you one thing. Or you trade. It's it's either you wave you wave or trade to get to do that, or you put Ryan Johnson back down. It, it, it's... All right, I'm cu- I'm cutting in. I'm sorry. So here's my problem with this. Here's my problem. My theory. Yes. Or just in general. No, the, with your theory. It's great if you're playing NHL 24. I understand what you're saying, but. The problem that you're facing right now is that, and as we've talked about it all season, there's no consistency with this team. There's no consistency. A lot of that has He's to do more with more consistent than. Let me talk. You only gain consistency through experience. You're talking about bringing in. A 22-year-old kid, which I understand. This, I understand. You're you're trading a 22-year-old kid for a 28. All right. The problem is not to me that. Yes, I understand. Ryan Johnson's been more consistent. I think if you get rid of, like you're saying, Connor Clifton, after him playing 20 games 
on our team is the dumbest thing I've heard. He has a right shot compared to Johnson's left shot. It's comparing apples to oranges. And you're going and saying, all right, well, let's get rid of this guy who's 28 and bring in this kid who's 22. It's not sustainable throughout a course of a season. If anything, what we need to be doing is, is we need to be evaluating these players that we've had on the team longer and say something like, all right, we've got Ryan Johnson, who's 22, and we've got Matias Samuelson, who's 23. Are we getting quadruple the play value from Matias Samuelson as we are Ryan Johnson because we, he's got quadruple the cap hit? And that's where you need to see if you're going to move somebody like Samuelson. You're not going to move Clifton because he's 28 and that contract's a little bit... I know it sounds stupid to say $3 million is too big, but for what he's producing, it's too big. Yeah, it's too big um, for him, and nobody's going to want to take him straight up in a trade. I mean, you've got Bryson that nobody's going to take. Nobody's going to take Clifton, but Samuelson's, but, got, but Samuelson's got trade value. And I know we, we're not talking about hypothetical trades right now, but Samuelson has trade value. And could you get rid of somebody like Samuelson, who's also a left-shot defenseman for $4.2 million a year? Would you trade Johnson for Samuelson on that top pairing, as he's playing right now? I feel like there might be a moment where you could throw him in there instead of EJ if Samuelson goes down. And maybe if you're confident enough in a game... I'd say it gets a crappy team, but I, I don't know right now. Or do you do something like, I, I think the option to keep Clifton in the lineup and move somebody like Samuelson, not, not cut. Obviously we're not talking cut. We're not talking about losing somebody. My concept is, is that you're getting something instead of losing something for nothing by sending Clifton or, you know, getting rid of Clifton or whatever. Well, my thought on waving Clifton is kind of like how you guys keep saying, kept saying uh, in the past with the goalies. Bryson's younger. I want to believe he could still solidify himself into a NHL level defenseman. While Clifton is twenty eight years old, it's kind of like how you you were saying with Comrie. We know what we're gonna get. So, like, I'm trying to be optimistic with Bryson still to where. Maybe he's, you know, could still solidify himself. And and for the and for the record, this is the worst season that Clifton's had. I mean, you're talking Maybe about a player who system. you're talking about a player who last year went went plus twenty. The year before that went minus two. Okay, whatever. But the year before that, plus ten, plus four, plus five. I mean, you're not talking about a guy that's consistently minus eight. True. You're also not talking about a guy that's consistently getting 180 penalty minutes a season. Yeah, I mean, he's, he averages right around 35 to anywhere from 35 to 60 penalty minutes. And Denny, a, a full that. season. He's at 32 right now. 20 games into the season, he's at 32 penalty minutes. Ties him for third in his career. I mean, he hasn't played that many games, but. I mean, he's got 252 games under his belt and 189 penalty minutes total. He's a plus 29 over the course of his career. You're, you're ready to throw this guy under the bus after playing a quarter of the season with the team. 
you're talking about a guy that also hasn't played anywhere in his professional career outside of Boston and realistically hasn't played anywhere outside of the Northeast because he started in Jersey. I mean, Bantams, he was playing with Jer- in Jersey, and then he went to the USA team, and then he was playing at Quinnipiac, so he's up in the Northeast, and he was playing in Providence, and then Boston. I mean, this is a, this is a, this is a new feeling for him. So on an optimistic level, hopefully he could just turn it around. Just has to settle in. Yeah, new team, new system, new bodies. Everything's all brand new to him here. I yeah I wouldn't work, look at like trading Clifton because I feel like yeah one it's too too early too quick from from here unless he just gets tethered in with another trade and somebody wants him then okay I guess he's gonna get traded but that's if it goes that route but like the way like you were saying it like with with the, what we want to do with having eight defensemen on 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 a on a game night roster and that and the only options are like waving Bryson putting him in Rochester sending uh, Johnson to Rochester or trading somebody. That's the only way to kind of start fitting that out a little bit, and and you're, would... and you're not gonna and you're not gonna be able to dump somebody like Clifton. You're not gonna be able to dump somebody like Bryson on somebody to get anything because they don't have a trade value. So then realistically, like, what you're and like my thought too is like I think if we wave Bryson, someone's gonna pick him up. Somebody, anybody, uh... one of the other thirty-one teams, somebody will. I feel like somebody's just going to pick him up, even if he's just that extra. To still one do year, the same thing, yeah. One year, one point eight, and he's under control for next year, so he's an RFA. I mean that that makes sense. That makes sense for a team to pick him up. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's where my thought also is. Where you wave Clifton, nobody wants to pay that three million dollars, so he's that's, still in the system. That's not that's not that much. I mean, it, it, it's uh, from what I said earlier, like I was mentioning, it's a question of, it, it, to me, it's not a question of the cap space. We've got plenty of it. Yeah. It's a question of level of play. That's why I was looking at like Samuelson and Johnson is, are we really getting quadruple the value from Samuelson to Johnson? That's apples to apples. That's not... That's not saying Apples okay. The oranges. Yeah, that's that's we're not looking at Connor Clifton three million. Send him through waivers. Somebody will pick him up. Oh yeah, I mean he's under team control for two more years at a very reasonable contract. It's not like we're sending Darlene through waivers with an eleven million dollar contract. There's only so many teams that can pick that up. Three million is totally doable. And I'm not saying like Ryan Johnson is like an issue. Know, yeah. No, or or like he's. The second coming of Jesus, but it's just no. I really, I really like him. I really like him. Yeah, he's he's I, answering I, the call. He's answering yeah. the call, and he's doing what's what's asked of him. And I just, I realistically don't think Ryan Johnson's going back down. I really don't. I just because of that two way contract, but yeah, he he is the easiest one. He he is young with a two way contract. Uh, and uh, an ECL and everything else, so he he clears. He doesn't have to go through waivers. We can just go Ryan Johnson, go back to Rochester. He just goes right to Rochester. There's no question. Bryson will have to go down. We'll have to get through waivers before going down to Rochester. And once a player hits waivers, when they don't, when they're not like exempt from uh, from that, other teams can pick them up. So 
it, it, doing something like that is a gamble on if he actually does clear waivers and he does get put to Rochester or somebody picks him up. So it's it's a gamble when you do that. Ryan Johnson uh, sending him back to Rochester is your safe bet because you will guarantee still have him. So say you send him back, he goes to Rochester for two weeks, and then Samuelson yeah. gets hurt again and he's out for a couple weeks. Come on back. There's no question. It's, he's he's to Rochester or Buffalo. Anybody else, if you want to try and dump him down like Bryson or something, somebody down to Rochester, they got to clear waivers, and it's a gamble if they get picked up by another team. I, at the way, at the production level that Johnson's, that RJ's been giving us, I would like to see him stay. I would love to see him stick around and everything. But I don't know. We're not in the Sabres front office, and we don't know what they want to do. So. No, but I do think sending Devin Levi down for his growth is the best thing. I feel like they procrastinated a little bit. However, I do feel sending him down frees up that space. That extra healthy scratch room. spot. Yeah, it frees up that spot and gives the team a little bit more breathing room slash play with what they can do and want to do. So It also gives Levi the opportunity to learn the pro, like to, yes. to be in a less. I, I was reading The Athletic today, and, and Andrew Raycroft put it the best. He credits being in the AHL to his development as an NHL goaltender. And the reason it's so good to go down to the AHL is it's it's it doesn't really – I mean, let's face it, no offense to anybody that's a Rochester Amherst fan, but it doesn't matter if you win or lose down there. It's all about development. Nobody cares who wins that, that trophy at the end of the season. No, but they do get a taste of winning. I don't care. Playoffs. If you, get the same, style. you can get the same thing in juniors or college. I know. Oh, it's just... The only difference it is is going from like juniors or college to the AHL is like a half step compared to going from juniors in college to the NHL, that's like a full like step, step and a half. Like oh, there is yeah. a drastic difference from going from, from, from juniors in college up to the, to the show or going to the AHL. You go to the AHL, it's a bunch of kids that are trying to prove themselves more at a higher, at a somewhat of a higher level and a bunch of has-beens that have been in the NHL and weren't good enough to, to sustain their career in but, the NHL. And you know what I'm also going to say though? Those has-beens? Guess what? They know they're not going to hit the NHL, but they're going to put every effort and their Still body listen. to go win to go win in that level. If I can't but, make it to the show, and if I'm stuck here, uh, guess what? I'm still going to perform to the best of my capabilities. And you know what? Then fine. I'm going to get the Calder Cup. I'm going to try everything I can. And also some of them, I mean, we talked about it before. They will... Okay, yeah, sure. Maybe they got to play one or two games up in the majors or the NHL, and maybe they got those training camp stints. But they can at least still. I'm gonna. I, I want to say mentor those kids. Here, here's how I'm gonna put this, Jeff. Ready? Um, who won the Stanley Cup two years ago? I can remember. I want to say Vegas. Andy. Who won the Stanley Cup two years ago? Uh, the Abs. Okay, so the Avs won the Stanley Cup two years ago. Was that Avs in Tampa Bay? It was, last year was Vegas, the year before was the Avs, and then it was the Tampa Bay back-to-back. Okay, so so it took between the two of you about 10 seconds to remember who won the Stanley Cup. Hands off the keyboards. Who won the Calder Cup two years ago? Oh, <laughs> two years ago? I don't know. Last year? I know. Exactly. And- Exactly. <laughs> my, my, literally, nobody cares who wins the Calder Cup. 
it is literally a step to for players to develop and learn at a higher level how to play professional hockey what road trips are what you need to do to keep your body prepared for an 82 game season and it, it it's giving levi the chance to go out there work on his rebound control work on his high glove work on things where he seems to be lacking at the next step and it's against professional level players those washed up guys that aren't going to make the show those high level prospects that aren't quite nhl ready but they're they're a, they're half a step away i'm not disagreeing i mean the AHL is the best thing for Devin Levi, and I wish Matthew Savoy could stay there as well. Oh I, yeah, I'm not Savoy. knocking that at all, but yeah, and, like, oh, like I would have, I would, I would have liked to see Benson even go there too. But he, he, we were con- with the way the contracts are, we're either handcuffed to keeping him on on the on the Sabers roster or sending him back to juniors. For, for the record, by the way, Savoy in the juniors is 12 points in six games. <laughs> Um, Holy six crap. goals, six assists, six. Games. I, I have a slight inkling that he has one hell of a fire under him because he played with Benson with with the ice for I don't know how many years, but he, he but they were buddies playing with for the for the ice. Uh, Savoy gets drafted a year before and has an option to be like on the Sabers, all that. Like you're 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 a year ahead of Benson, and Benson fuck it uh, is able to jump jump faster than than him. So I think Savoy is going to have a little extra fire. He's going to push real hard to do very well through juniors this year and especially try to like either make the team at the end of this year when juniors is done or or just go or go to Rochester and dominate Rochester too. He, I feel like he's going to just put everything in. I think you guys mentioned it earlier in the season. I can't remember, but somebody mentioned it. Realistically, the more I'm watching is Benson. It's a clean-cut reason why he's still up here over Savoy, and it's not just the goals and the assists. Like that kid, that kid's actually gone in front of the net. Mm-hmm. He lasts very long, and he's he. I think Truba knocked him on his ass in the Rangers game, and that kid got right back up and kept going. Yeah, he tried. He got penalized wrongfully yet again. Uh, I mean, it was a cross check, but the guy didn't even move. But that kid's. He's doing a little bit of the, I don't even know if it's a little, but he's doing the nitty gritty. And I'll be honest, I mean, the little bit I've seen from Matt Savoy, I don't think he does that. And I, that, I mean, Andy, you told me before we started this, Kulik went back down to Rochester, right? I said it during the pot. During the pot Did it pot? Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember. Sorry. I know yeah. we were talking a little hot. Kulik went right. back. I love Kulik. He is an outstanding. Standing puck handler. He's an, has an outstanding shot. He's got the Victor Olsen esque type of rocket. But from what I've been hearing through the grapevine, he is not playing that two way style that the Sabres need. But yet, Brendan Bureau came up. And I believe we mentioned it last time Bureau was up here. He plays that two way style. So. He also has the most deadly shot in the NHL right now, but no. Really. <laughs> <laughs> two for two, 100%. But, yep. So, like, and I, I'm i being optimistic with Cooley, too. You know, I was saying, you know, bring him up. Let's see what he can do. Like, I want to see him. You see what he's doing in the AHL. And this is going back to how we were talking about Rochester in development. So, not to sound like we're going on tangents, but, you know, Kulik, he's dominating Rochester right now. Him and Rosen. 
But and so I, I wanted to see him come up. I wanted to see the Sabres bring him up. Sadly, it had to be the New Jersey game, and that didn't go too well. But I wanted to see if he had that same fire playing up here. And I just, I don't know if he needs some more time. But on the other end, the Sabres got to do what's best for the Sabres. And I think eventually he'll be up here. But it, it has a lot to do with. It has a lot to do with what's being asked of the player. When you put him down in Rochester, he's a top-line center forward. What do you expect from your top-line forwards? That you expect him to score. You want those guys with the shots. When he comes up to the NHL, he's third and fourth line, and you're expecting something different out of your third and fourth line forwards. And, and having a guy that has a wicked shot on your third or fourth line, I think we've seen all season with Victor Olofsson, it doesn't really work. It doesn't matter as much. Yeah. It, you, it doesn't, you does it help? Yeah, it doesn't help. Yes. But it, you also need to kind of find that chemistry because there there's, you have different it, styles of, of players. You have two way forwards, you have your snipers, you have your power forwards, you got your grinders, you got all these different styles and you need to make sure they actually fit each other. But yeah, you're also, wrong. I, I feel like if Victor Olsen went down, Kulik would immediately be called up. I feel like Kulik would be called in to to fill that spot. No, I wouldn't. I would. No. You got already someone to fill that spot, his role. And does more. His name is JJ Paterka. No. Paterka's already running that on the same line as him. But sometimes. But what I'm saying, no. No, no, no. I'm saying if you call in. No, what you do is you you don't bring up up Kulik. You bring up somebody that's like Bureau who's going to fill that third, fourth line. Paterka steps up, fills that role in the power play. You don't bring in another guy like Olofsson. Paterka is on the power play. I I know, but my point, you you don't... The problem with with Olofsson is you've got players like Kyle Bozo and Demi Skurgensons and just players that aren't going to be there and going to have... I mean, I hate to say it, but the skill isn't there to feed him in those spots where he can succeed. And having that guy that can rocket that shot on the third or fourth line isn't exactly what you want, isn't exactly what you need. You need a guy that's going to go into the corners and is going to dig the puck out or win the battles on the half wall. Granted, now by no stretch of the imagination, I'm going to sit here and say that Victor Olofsson hasn't completely around in the past five, six games. Six assists in the past four games. I've seen him. It's like a light bulb went off in his head. And it's something that if he can consistently do this, I I like what I've seen from him. I haven't been sitting here like I have with other players on the team being like, oh my God, what are you doing in that position? What are you doing in that situation? I've really liked what I've seen out of him. He's He literally changed his game. I wanted to, yeah. at some point, segue into Victor Olofsson on a positive aspect for once because he's, he's literally turned his game around and not, like, outstanding, like, oh, my God, did you see that? But Casey Middlestat scores a goal, and all of a sudden, who do you see going up to congratulate him? You see Victor Olofsson, and then the replay comes on, and I'm like, oh, holy cow, he actually fed him the pass. Wow. Uh, he's another one of those like and it it wasn't 
like Casey Middlestat turned that page early in the season, and he became this phenomenal centerman who just can't win a faceoff to save his life. But nobody on the Sabers can. But I think it took a little bit longer for it to click with Victor, and I've been quietly enjoying what I've seen so far. Do I think he's worth a four point seven five from what I've seen? No. Maybe depending on what goes forward in the season, but I I don't have an issue with anything I've seen so far from him in the, like the last past, the past six seven games, and and I I like it a lot. I'm I'm gonna try to be positive and not compare him to other players that I've got problems with. But moving on. So the last two games, Olsen was on the third line. With Jost and Rosen. Well, it's it's kind of hard to say with like the new the Rangers game because the eleven and seven. Eleven and seven rotates. You, yeah, you're kind of jumbling them a little bit. You yeah. you did have some consistency some of the lines, but you were like every like other shift that th- those they were going out, you would toss Oki. Because yeah, he was. I I know yeah. he was out there for some of middle stats. Mm-hmm. Or actually, instead of looking at the game by game lineups, I should actually go to the games that that last game seemed really nice we we had everything but it was also one game because i like the combination which we've already seen in previous games and going back to last year the skinner mitts tuck line but in that game against the rangers granted they didn't get much outside of paterka but uh benson cousins and paterka that line i thought looked very really freaking lethal and they probably could have buried two goals uh, during that rangers Paterka, Benson, and Cousins. I like that line. The only thing I, I wish, and I know this is... I wish Benson... I know this is being super picky because the kid's 18. I just wish he was a little bit more developed. He had a little bit more strength on his stick, a little bit more strength mm-hmm. on his skates. I think he'd be... Great he would fill team. that role that Krebs does where he's on the half wall winning the battles. In in a better sense, because he's got more skill. But and it's I just, something it's something we gotta kind of just roll with. It's either which, is you, fi- which I'm fine with. I'm fine with letting him develop. It, it's just that's what I that's all I'm thinking about. Is just I'm I'm hoping that he physically develops a little bit more. You can see the potential. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100 percent, absolutely. By the way, since we're on the high of Victor Olsen, kudos to him as in the Rangers game. I mean, we didn't have many opportunities, but he was second on the team in power play time on ice for the forwards with two minutes and 37 seconds. Only three seconds behind Alex Tuck. And Daily he got his, Wow. Uh, I just looked got, at something else. For a he guy got that assists also in that game, he assisted Paterka's and Kyle Acaposo's late goal. Uh, goal. Ryan? For a guy that we were shitting on a lot earlier this season, he's currently got as many points as Dylan Cousins. Yeah. Cousins is... Who's played four more games. Uh, Cousins he's, also, he's also even. He's zero. Not plus, not my... Wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, Victor. All right. And he's doing that with 
an average of four minutes less ice time than Cousins. And on bottom line. And his goals were even strength. They weren't even power play goals. They were? Okay, Victor. Good for you. Good for you. That's my next bullet point I just wrote down. Good for you, Victor. My next bullet point is I want absolutely nobody to come for me and say that I'm wrong about Kyle Ocposo because he's got three goals. In three games. In three games. (laughs) Don't you dare. One, he tipped. Mm. Woo. The other one went off the defenseman's stick. Woo. And then the third one. The defenseman's body. And and the third one was a garbage time goal. So get off my ass. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) I got really concerned because I could tell you got closer to the microphone for that. Yeah, you just got right in on it. Yeah. Like, I feel like in those last three games, Oposo's play has been better, but it's it's still fucking so slow. He's still so slow. Watching the games. We're going to transition. I understand your point, but we're going to transition because if we don't, I'm not I'm going down go this private. Yeah, we're not going to spend an hour. And we need to move on. We're staying positive. I'm going to cut it right where Ryan did his little thing, and I'm leaving it there. So, segueing. Since we're talking about highs after the Rangers game, kudos also to Ukapeka Lukanen. That man is. Going into the season, he was looking like the quote-unquote odd man out. This team was... To some of us, he was. A lot. (laughs) He was... A lot of people were in on Devin Levi. Devin Levi had the first four games. You know, the hype train, woo-woo. And then Ukapekalukadi comes in, plays a game here, plays a game there. Season's progressing. And, well, right now, here we are. A quarter of the way of the season, and Uka Pekalukinen has played 11 games, 9 wins, or 6 wins. My bad. Scratch, reverse. Played in 11, started 9, has 6 wins, 3 losses, and 1 overtime loss for a save percentage of 918 and a 2.54 GAA. Start that, man! He's Never our starter. Doubt. Never doubted it for a second. I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna gloat. I told you so. <laughs> I had my I told you so moment. Ryan gets his. I uh, I I was harping on it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew he had it in him. I knew it from last season. I knew he had it in the off season. I knew he had it in him. I knew it. I knew it. Is he the savior of goaltending in Buffalo? No, but is he a very serviceable starter for us? Abso-freaking-lutely. I was, I was saying it about UPL throughout the fucking, even at the end of last year, and I fought with you so much, Jeff. I remember I know, so I much. did. I wrote him off. I will yeah. not lie. I wrote him off, and a lot of people did. And I think that's a perfect segue to the last thing that I want to get into. We've touched on everything that I've thought about. We are a quarter of the way into the season. A little over a quarter of the way into the season. What I would like to know, we're going to not focus on negatives. We're going to try to focus on positives on a very roller coaster ride of a season. Let me hear 
Andy, Jeff, and I myself will give our quarter season. I don't want to say breakout player of the year, but the player that has stood out to you the most. Andy, you go first. I'll let you have the floor because me and Ryan take over too much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a few that have been pretty good. Uh, like Darlene's his play, even though he doesn't have as, as crazy amount of points as he started with last year. He's still defensively away from the puck plays has been very well. Has just been even better than he was last year. Uh, Mitz turned it on and became a very solid player. I, I still have questions with him and whatnot still, but uh, besides the point, Paterka, like there's a few, but I would, I would go Paterka. Cause I, after the, the, easy way the out. what taking the easy way out there, sir, I was going with Paterka because I was saying he was going to also have a, have a pretty decent year after the world tournament in the off season. He dominated it then everything else. And it's like, this is going to be his year and he is still doing it. I'm that's, that's where I'm tying it together is that that tournament. He went to that tournament. He is the number one, most points in that tournament, German player. He, which outpaces Leon Dreisaitl. And he just, he worked hard in the off season. He worked his ass off and he is still producing now. He is just tying it all together and it is, it, it's showing. Jeff, I, I leave the floor to you. That was an easy out. Um, that was so, also probably going to be my go-to, but I will right. decide on someone else. <laughs> so, Andy, I fucking hate you. <laughs> I really do. So I, Andy made a good hit point. Um, middle stat, he's being effective. Leading the team in points. He is. He's leading the team in points. 16 assists. He has more assists than Rasmus Dalin. Like, it's, it's amazing. But I, I'm so ecstatic. I'm happy for UPL. I love them. I love goalies. I'm also critical of goalies. You saw me. We, we just talked about it. I wrote UPL off. I love what he is he is doing. He's taking this team on his shoulders, and I hope he keeps it up. And I hope for him this is a breakout year. But, Andy, you're, you're, I hate you because I was going to say J.J. Paterka, not just because <laughs> I love J.J. Paterka, but the kid has nine goals, eight assists, He's second on the team in goals. One behind Jeff Skinner. And I'm not going to take what Andy said. Because I'm going to tell you what what Andy did. Andy went and he gave you information from the beginning of the season. He World Juniors. He busted his ass. He did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, people, could, people bust their ass in the offseason. Dev, Devin Levi busted his ass in the offseason too training. Okay? And, but here's the thing. But, it's actually going through. Hold on. So, yes, for Paterka, it's going through. This is how I'm going to say it's going through. We lost Tate Thompson. We lost Jack Quinn. Uh, Dylan Cousins has not stepped up. J.J. Paterka, I don't want to say he put this team on his shoulders because he did not. But, and I don't want to say quietly, but J.J. Paterka has literally turned himself into a point leader on this team. He, I don't want to say it's surprising, but New York Rangers, that game, I heard it on the radio. I heard Sabre scored. Dunleavy said it. Buffalo scores. And I'm like, oh, who scored it? And he goes, J.J. Paterka. And I go, oh, hell yeah. All right. Let's go. You, Skinner, you, I don't want to say you expect it, but Skinner, Tuck, 
Their top line, that's what you you expect them to score. Paterka is he's kind of he put himself up there. He's second on the team in goals. And like I don't want to knock on Middlestat. Like yeah, he leads the team in points too, but but I, I'm going to turn it into a twofer. Middlestat, he's being a playmaker. Like, I can't knock on either one. I'm, I'm putting them both on the pedestal. Middlestat and Paterka. Like, Middlestat, he, he's literally focusing on making the play and not just putting it in the net. And Paterka, he's, he's finding ways to put it in. And even if he fails, like there was the one game, Paterka, he took a whack and or he had a breakaway and he missed it and he missed it. And I'm like, dude, you you got to score tonight. Like you could tell he had that inkling. And sure enough, he went and he scored. So I hope that works. I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm sure you're probably really upset now. But no. I feel like I feel no. like my, my point is a little bit more uh, concrete than Andrew's. Not that mm. I want to turn this into a competition. No, <laughs> I, I, I like what both of you have brought up. And... J.J. Paterka has, I think... And he's a plus three on the season. Sorry. He's a plus three on the season. I I think J.J. Paterka is the easy answer there. And that's nothing against your... I I just think that's the easy answer. He has had a breakout year. He's put it all together. Tied for... Or second on the team... Third on the team in points. Second on the team in goals. 22 years old. Entry-level contract. That's that's exactly what you want to see. And breakout year for him... Great to see it. I love it. Casey Middlestat, another good option. Turned it around, showing what he had in the juniors. Um, I agree with every, what everybody said about him. Another breakout year from him. And he's showing that he's got that vision to make those passes, get the assists, and, and generate points for the team. And and not only do that, but also be a solid two-way centerman. Uh, not terrible in the defensive zone, not giving up everything that was a knock on him before. I'm probably, and of course, UPL. I'm not going to go down that route. I've known it. I, I I knew it. I felt it in my soul, and I'm glad that he's proving me right. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I'm going to go a different route. My guy's probably somebody that's kind of going to... I might have to explain a little bit. But my player has been Alex Tuck. And I agree. I agree. It's. I feel like Tuck has been a slow burn. He was. I love me a player who's a quiet, like a sneaky good player. Yeah. Yeah. Paterka's flashy. But I I love me a player that that Tuck, you, you look at it and it's like, oh, Tuck's got 16 points. Mm-hmm. But can you tell me like one that's really stood out to you? That's see, see, talk is this is why I like talk. Talk is a leader on the ice. He goes out there and he produces points and he does exactly what's asked of him. You want him to go out there and be on the ice for 25 minutes a game? He'll go out there and give you all 25 minutes he busts his ass. I know he's a minus two on the season. I know he's only got 16 points in 19 games. I know. He's got 24 penalties, but he's doing everything that's at. Go out there and drop the gloves. Goes out there and drops his gloves. He does everything. Everything you could want from a player. And I want him to take 
Dylan Cousins under his wing. And I would love for Cousins to be a younger version of Tuck as a centerman. Just go out there, do the dirty work, do what you need to do. The points will come. Mm-hmm. And mm, I, every game that I watch Alex Tuck play, it just reaffirms to me why he should be the next captain of this team. I'm going to say it. I'll, I'll say it. And and that's not my love affair with him because I love Paterka. Great number. Shout out <laughs> high school hockey. Um, <laughs> Casey Middlestat, love the vision. Thank you for proving me wrong. Alex Tuck, it, to me, he is just... He is the player that I expected from him. And in an up-and-down season, he has been that steady like he has been the steady hand i've never went out like i've never watched him and like what the fuck were you doing talk what what was that play that that line has never come out of my mouth he has been consistent in an inconsistent season that pittsburgh game especially it i think he was in there for both of the late goals i think he scored both of them no, he's got a uh, goal and assist. Goal and an assist. So yeah, yeah. I think he he scored and, the tire and, and then he assisted on the winner. Yeah, he's just even the Winnipeg game. I mean, we lost that one, but his goal was clutch. We lost Carolina. He's got a goal in that one. Toronto, he, he scored two. He's he I, shows up in the big moments. He's not. He's there. Not the same, but I see the similarities. I feel like he's molding himself into this generations of Chris Drury. Not mm. quite that buzzer beat. Not that buzzer beat. You know, you know, Drury had that certain flair for the Sabres. Yeah, he was always he there. Needed at the right that goal. Time. He, yeah, but Mr. Clutch. Having, yeah, but he's having those moments where it's like, damn it, this team just we're losing two to one. We need to get a goal here, and he's if he's you having wanna... those moments. And he's being like, which oh, how did you say it? Uh, not the force, but uh, you just said it a minute ago, um, like that silent hand or whatever, like studying hand. He's steady, steady hand. Steady hand. He's being that guy, and but yeah, it's just I see it, I see it. And to caveat off that, not that I want to steal your thunder, Ryan, but for the month of November, Alex Tuck has seven goals, four assists, eleven points. He is a minus one, and he does average twenty minutes and thirty nine seconds of ice time. He does what's asked of him. And if you want to go in like the old mold, to me, he strikes me more of like an Alesh league. Very solid two-way player who can put those goals in when you need them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and nobody remembers Alesh league. It's a game, it's one of those names that pops up and you're like, oh my God, I forgot he played for the team. <laughs> I know. Like Yuri Novotny. Oh my god. There you go. See? See, that's the reaction. It's like, oh my god, that's a name I haven't thought about. But Bob those are the players. Those are the players, Chris Gratton. Those are the players <laughs> that I that I absolutely love. It's it, you you pull the name and it's like, oh god, I forgot he played for the team. But Jason it's not like a, it's but it's never a bad like, oh my god, I can't believe oh it's like an oh Andy. my god, yeah, he played for the team. Andy, you said Bob Bugner and Jason Woolley. Those two, especially in our era, you cannot forget those names because Bob Bugner was the boogeyman and Rick Jennerant <laughs> made it known. And Jason Woolley made the shot her around the hockey world. You know damn well you ain't forgetting that call. 
<laughs> you are never yeah. forget those two guys. Yep. But no, but 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 he's like like when I think back to players that when I was in high school, and I never really appreciated them. And now that I'm older, I'm like, oh my god, yeah. You think back to like, okay, this player did everything that that was asked of them, and you kind of get this deeper respect. I mean, yeah. for me, it's players like Yaroslav Spachek, um, players like oh, just just throwing it back, Talender, uh, throwing it back, uh, Newmanin, Tepel. Oh, yeah. Never, never like flashy, but always in the right space, always in the right place, right time. Did what was asked of them, and that's honestly that's all you can ask for. And he's got the leadership capabilities. I just, I, I love me some Alex Tuck. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that we brought him in. That was, that was a player that even earlier in that season, I think I was talking to Andy. I think we were watching the the Winter Classic. It was the season before, and I was like, man, Alex Tuck would be a really good player to get on the Sabres. And then we made the trade with Vegas, that, that trade with Eichel, and we got him, and that was that was like a dream come true for me. Next season, he's going to be our captain. Straight up. I, uh, yep. There's no contest. I, uh, I don't know about that. He doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a letter right now, and Darlene has an A. I don't think they'll give it to Darlene. I think they do. I don't because think that's that, that's the trend that it's gone to now. Unfortunately, I I don't think I don't think so. I think he'll. I think as he'll much as PTA. as much as I want him to have a C, I think he'll have an A, and I think Darlene will have the C. I digress. Um, yeah, Alex Doc. That's my answer. And a lot a lot of players that stand out in good ways. A lot of players that stand out in bad ways. I'm looking at you, Akposo and Comrie. But, like, like even another one for like me would be Greenway. I think Greenway coming here and especially being healthy to start this year, he's played very well, especially on the penalty kill. He has been very dominant on on our penalty kill. Uh, Grant, he's only in nineteen games. He's got two goals, four assists for six points, and he's a minus one. But what he can bring to you off the puck and away from the puck is been pretty good for kind of an unknown player that you got that you that's a kind of a a power grinder forward that that can do stuff for a team that's 10 10 and 2 two games under 500 as as roller coastery as it's been there are a lot of things there are a lot of positives oh yeah what it's what's good for me to see and what I like is that they're going the route, gone through a quarter of the season, at, with it being a roller coaster, and not that I'm an NHL GM, but they're doing things the way that I would want them done if I was an NHL GM. They're like, okay, we've spent a quarter of the season, we've seen what we've got from Devin Levi, we've seen what we've got from all these players X, Y, and Z. All right, now we're going to make the transition. We're going to send Levi down. We've seen what he's got. Send him to the AHL. We've done this. We've done this. We've seen what these players have. All right, now we're gonna set the we're gonna set the roster. We're gonna start nailing things down. Exactly. Going. Because it's it, it, if you don't going into it before you hit the quarter season mark, twenty games in, it's too soon. You don't know what you have. It, it doesn't give players enough time to gel. 
The only things that I'd like to see in the future and coming up is maybe a a little bit more consistency with the lines. Um, which if we're going to consistently do 11 and 7 is tough. I understand that. But maybe a little bit more consistency with the lines and secondary goaltending stepping up. That's the one thing that worries me. I lo- I'm happy that Levi went down, but Comrie worries me. Worries me very much. Are we really going to open up that basket? No. Um, I think we'll just leave it at that, and we will, because I think we, we've talked about enough, and we're kind of rambling a little bit. I will just leave it at where I said earlier in the group chat, Andy, and it's this caveat's what you just said, Ryan. Quarter away the season, they're starting to, you know, nail things down. Yeah, Levi went down for his development, and guess what? UPL made it known, or he put in the effort, he's the starter, Comrie. Back him up, Comrie, start showing up, and this goes to what I was saying before, a couple podcasts ago, the team in front of Comrie better play like how they're playing in front of UPL. Help me help you. Jerry Maguire, help me help you. I know Comrie Scott gave up a lot of soft goals this year, but... Please, there's how many other guys on the roster on uh, starting the game? Eight, 19, 18, excluding the backup goalie? 18. 18 other players. Help him. He gives up softies. Help him. Guess what? Take that conscious effort. Put in a little bit more effort. And yeah, maybe he'll give up. Maybe that's the one you have to ink out a 4-3 to three win. Or, speaking, or three to two, but speaking as a former player, there is nothing more deflating than when your goaltender lots in a soft goal. It, it, Aware it of that, are. but just do you want to? You want to freaking win? Just help him, help him. There, there is, I, he's got to help the team in front of him. I know that. I, 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 I know that. But also, I mean, don't small, don't just stand. Small snippet. Small snippet. Going back because I have it written down from the eleven and seven on on some stats and everything else. The uh, the Pittsburgh game that we got blown out in, UPL was playing. We got blown out for nothing. UPL posted up a 921 save percentage. UPL gave us every option to win that game, but we didn't play in front of them. So even if you reverse it and the team puts everything on the ice in front of him, the goal is just letting in soft goals left and right. There's only so much you can do. I know. I'm just saying, so, just try to help him. So just here's... Try. Here's my statement on this, okay? And I don't I'm not putting a ton into this. I know it's just a website, but let's look at that Rangers game really quick. We won 5 to 1. Money pucks deserve to win o meter. Uh-oh. 53% to New York. New York should New York won 53% of the games out of 1000 simulated. That feels <laughs> like it's low. UPL making big saves helped the team to generate the swing in their favor. Like it it helped to generate offense and deep, like, okay, he's going to make the saves for us. We're going to go out there and score goals. We've got it. We've got every chance in the world to win this game. Gave the team the confidence they needed. 
I guess the best way to summarize my point, besides quoting Jerry Maguire, is just when Comrie's in net, put in the team effort. Help your backup. I know UPL is fought hard to be the starter. Asking. And they feel more confident in front of him. But just, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to make that push to back up your backup. The backup's got to get some W's, too. There's no yeah, way you could just get in the playoffs just on your your. Yeah, but you can't, change, you can't change your play style just because you have your backup. Player. I know that. Yeah. yeah well, but this even... is also what I was saying in the group chat. This is where the Sabres are pretty much laying their grave. We're either going into the playoffs now or we ain't making it. We're done with the three-goalie rotation. We got, I would say. In my book. No, you're. We got a little bit of time. I'd say we Sabers have three weeks before we really have to have to make a hard decision and a hard push. We have three weeks. Between uh, two and three uh, weeks. Week. before Christmas, yeah, yeah. No, before- no. I'd say I'd say the New Year. I'd say they got a month. I, I, I like Christmas, New Year, like right around there. That is when you need to make the hard decision to either go all in with everything or you kind of keep riding the wave. Cause like if we hit uh, Christmas new years and we're still in a good spot, we're in playoffs, like in a playoff position, you, at that point you can continue riding the wave and you should be able to just ride in into the playoffs. Or if you're five games behind by new year's Christmas, that's when you have to put everything on the line, all chips on the table and go all in on every game because you well, now have to make ground up. But until we hit Christmas, New Year's, that that time, so about like like three to four weeks, just keep playing your game, keep moving forward. As long as you're moving forward, that's all that matters. We just need you to keep moving forward, winning games, solidifying yourself, being more consistent. That's that's what we want you to do. I would say by the New Year, you need to know by you need to know about whether or not in three months on March eighth, if you're going to be buyers or sellers. So, all right, rotation, rotating. Sabres, next couple games. We got the high off of the Rangers, 5-1 win. They're sitting at 10-10-2. Next up is St. Louis, Carolina, and then Nashville. Those next three, how are we looking? Are we thinking? St. Louis is 11-9-1, I believe. Yep, they're eleven nine and one. They're six and four in their last ten. They lost their last game. Um, could be, I could see St. Louis being fifty fifty depending on who shows up and like with Bennington. If Bennington wants to run his mouth and be more of a, a nuisance than a goaltender, could probably sneak that out. Carolina, going to be Carolina. Carolina is thirteen eight zero. They're seven and three in their in their last ten with two wins. Flip the coin, see where it goes. If we never, we never play Carolina well. They they match our style too well. Carolina's also seven and yeah, seven and two at home. Yeah, I think you just said that. Yeah. It's a it's a flip a coin on if, if the Sabres want to show up and play did they play, did against the Rangers, we we might have ourselves a ball game. That might be uh it might be I mean, a win. But they it, kinda they kinda showed up the last time we went to Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, we lost in overtime, but it wasn't yeah. Great, but it was competitive enough. And then Nashville is eleven and ten. Uh, they're six and four in their last ten, and they are on a six-game run. Yeah, these three games, 
start flipping coins and start gambling because, and especially with the way the Sabres have been all year being inconsistent, who knows if we win, lose, or overtime loss, who knows? It, it's a complete mystery. I, I don't feel strongly that we can win any of them, or I don't feel strongly that we can lose. It's such a, such the a only one, the only one that I'm writing off as a loss before it even starts is Carolina. Uh, yeah, I have I have I, I, my my expected win percentage there is like fifteen percent. I I really don't hold a lot of hope. Um, Blues game again, like you said, fifty fifty. Oh, and money puck supports my idea. Fifteen <laughs> percent or no? Uh, so oh. Blues game uh, percent chance to win for the Sabers is forty six point one. The Hurricanes game is 26.2. And then Nashville's 31.7. So I think the Nashville game's a little bit more of a coin toss along with the Blues game, but I, I'm right along the lines of Money Puck, and that's, that's going to be a tough game start to finish. I think, I think there's just as realistic of a chance for them to come out of this 2-1 as it is 0-3. I agree. I mean, we're, we were all on a high. But you know that New Jersey game was in the back door of our heads. St. Louis, I I, mean, I would I would say if they can can if the Sabers can continuously play and consistently play like they played the the Ranger game, yeah, I could oh see. God, uh, if they played like how they played the Ranger game, they should be up there with Detroit and Florida right well, now. Well, I'm just saying amongst these next but, three games, these next three games, we could probably be two zero and one. Uh, if if we play like that Ranger game, but with the inconsistency, just start flipping coins, holding hope, but not not being kicker too. I guess this will tie into my point. So, not like it's a big factor on the decision making. Um, St. Louis is also six and three at home. Carolina seven and two, while Nashville is also three and six on the road. Not saying that those are factors once again, but same thing. I can see. Us winning all three, I can also see us. I don't want to say losing all three, but disappointingly not putting up what we've been, what we could have. Uh, and I feel like it's more like the Washington game or the Winnipeg game. And it's like, well, you were there and you just found a way to lose it instead of finding a way to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I think they could pull through, and I, they need to put a string together. Um, this ties into the whole, you know, by Christmas, seeing where we're at. We're only as of right now on November twenty ninth at nine fourteen p.m. Sabers are three points out of a playoff spot, and the way this season's going. For the league, I think you can get in the playoffs with less than 100 points because it's just that tight. I, I, I'm i not an expert on estimating, but I, I just think... I think it'll be a, a low a low point season. But we're, we're on the outside looking in, but if we can... Looking optimistically, we win these next three games. Two, four, six, 28 points. We're, we're wild card. Or we could be in the wild card. 
We could probably be above wild card even. Yeah, depend. We well, right now Detroit's wild. sitting in that third spot at twenty five points, tied with Toronto and Tampa Bay. So yeah, the, mm-hmm. depending how those guys land in the next week, yeah, we could be. So we're not out of it yet. If we can, like you keep saying, Andy, it's like it's like building a house, and you know we see what they can do and. They can just put it together and get a nice run going, and I think that would boost their confidence too and maybe get that consistency down. That's me looking optimistically. Because, you know, we've been oh so negative lately. All right. I think that's it. You guys got anything else? Last thing, congratulations, Eric Comrie. I know I've been shitting on you all day, but congratulations on the birth of your daughter. Congratulations, Eric Comrie. Congratulations. That'll do it for us, the Talk of Tarot podcast. Give us a follow on the Facebook page, Better Buffalo Hockey. Tune in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podverse.fm. Let us know what you like, don't like. Give us your thoughts, seriously. Give us ideas. Maybe we'll put it into the the show. Give us something different to talk about and not be depressed on the Sabres not being consistent. I think this was a very positive. Semi-positive, yeah. Because I bit my tongue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we kind of put Ryan on a leash a little bit. <laughs> so. I made I made my one point and then I didn't harp on it, so moving forward. <laughs> so, we'll close out on this because we always got to make a jab at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Andrew, how many regulation wins does the Toronto Maple Leafs have on the season? Oh, I don't know, but all I do know is that the San Jose Sharks have more regulation wins than the Toronto Maple Leafs. No, they don't. They're tied. They're tied. I, I still consider it more. The San Jose Sharks are the worst team in the league, and they are t- technically tied with Toronto. I call that a win. San Jose has more. I you know, you know what else I call a win? The San Jose Sharks haven't lost to a backup goaltender who is a Zamboni driver. <laughs> <laughs> Worst team, worst team of all time. They still haven't done that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. All right, we out of here. Have fun, y'all. Peace. Go Sabers.